No matter what anybody tells you, words and ideas can change the world. Okay, terrific. Language and writing were made available. He'll teach you everything. I'm writing this down. This is good stuff. I'm John, and this is John Helps You Write Better. And today, today we're finally going to talk about risk. I meant to do this earlier this week, but for a number of reasons, we just didn't get around to it. So we're getting to it right now. I think risk is one of those topics that we don't explore enough when we shape or give or provide or sort of think about writing advice. Because anything creative, whether we're talking about writing a a novel or we're painting a picture or we're taking photos of ourselves or we're... I, I don't know, we're, we're dancing interpretively or we're busking on the street corner. All that has risk to it. Anything creative carries risk. And there's that first moment of negotiation with that risk of, do I even want to do this at all or not? And a lot of people can, can make that jump. They get excited. They get enthusiastic about the future. They like the idea of succeeding way down the road. They like the, the possible benefits of succeeding. They like spending their time that way. They, they find it a rewarding task or thing to do. So that first negotiation with risk, really straightforward, really simple, no problem. But on we go then to the next set of risks. And these don't necessarily always come in this order. Some, sometimes they don't even come at all. Some do, some don't. And people feel them or experience them to varying degrees, which is fine. Not, it's, it's not a universal thing. It's just sort of present if it is in a lot of different ways. And, and here's the big element here. It's a risk of moving forward because when there's no stakes, when it's just writing, when we're just, you know, spending a little bit of time here and a little bit of time there and nobody's over our shoulder, nobody really knows we're doing it. There's no real expectation beyond just, I want to see if I can do it. The stakes are very, very low. So there's very little risk. So we feel pretty able to just do what we want, however we want, independent or separate from the idea that we're following rules or we're doing this right or we're doing that right. We're just producing and it feels the most, let's call it free and the most liberated, the most just ready and imaginative we could be. It's great. It's oddly enough, it's the position we want to get back to once we've had a little bit of education, but we'll, we'll, we'll get there in a second. Don't worry. But after a while, as we're writing, as we're developing, as we're doing whatever we're doing, we suddenly run into some kind of impasse or challenge. There's some kind of moment where we get stuck. We need help. We need advice. We want to know, well, how do I do this? And should I do that? And it's normal to run into forks in the road. That's just part of this process because we don't know everything. We're not really supposed to know everything. That's what we have other people for. And we start hunting advice. Now, maybe we started hunting advice immediately after we made the decision to even do it because we were looking for 
sort of like a, like a best strategy or a simple way or a low stress way or a highly successful way or some combination of all that to do it. We didn't want to do it just willy nilly. We wanted to do it with a plan and, and with some order. So we start looking for advice and here comes sort of that second risk hurdle to navigate. Do we trust the advice? What do we do to evaluate that advice? Do we just assume, oh, well, they've got a huge following or they charge a lot of money or they have a fancy website or something like that, or, or they just have a lot of tweets about it and they, they are always talking about it? Or what criteria do we use to um, accept advice? And do we trust the advice that we're getting once we find this person or that person or this person or that person to give us the advice? The risk is in taking it. Does it unduly or unnecessarily or aggressively or completely or barely change what we're doing? Is it just more information for us? And when we apply it, what are the consequences of that application? If I start reading advice and it tells me that all of a sudden, oh my God, I've been doing dialogue wrong for my whole book. I have a lot of rewriting to do. And that's a, maybe I do and maybe I don't have to change it. But this piece of advice, if I take it as, as serious and valid, this piece of advice would suggest to me that, yes, I do have to change. Now, there's another kind of risk sort of tucked under the surface there, and that risk is pretty straightforward. It's the risk of what happens if I don't follow that advice. If I just put it away and file it and go, yeah, yeah, I understand, but if I don't apply it, what, what could happen? I think a lot of writers who never really get around to finishing, who just sort of accrue extra knowledge or awareness of rules or structures or ideas or terminology, they sort of gather them all like Pokemon, but they never do anything with it once they know it. It's just like knowing it is nice, but if, it, if I don't apply it, it won't be a problem. It won't reveal a problem. It won't mean I have to change anything. It'll just be, yeah, I understand. I know that term. I just didn't do shit about it. That's another risk. That's a different kind of risk because that's the sort of risk that keeps you where you're at. If you don't want to change, if you don't want to learn, you're going to stay where you're at. It is very, very, very unlikely that you are going to kind of uh, self-discover the absolute best practices universally every time, anytime there's a thing that you need to figure out how to do. Flipping this around from the other side, as an advice provider, there's a risk to navigate here in the sense of, I can give away the store. I can tell you a lot of stuff. And the capitalist side of things will say, oh, well, you should make money for that. You should get paid for that labor. People should pay you so that you can tell them what to do. And I, I, I do that. People do hire me. People do pay me for that. It's it's nice. It's, it's you know, a good job. But as, a, as an advice provider, I often have to struggle with the risk of what if I just keep telling them some more? What if I just told them how to do this without sending an invoice, without worrying about like, hey, throw me five bucks? What if I just told them how to write a query letter? What if I just told this person how to, you know, fix their second act? I do a lot of that too. I don't know if it's good or bad. Um, I don't really care if it's good or bad. My interest is, has always been in helping people. And, and making sure they're taken care of and making, making sure they're writing the best they can. So if that means I have to say a thing or do a thing to help them and it comes at the, the expense of possible income, well, so be it. That's, that's where I'm, 
I'm okay doing that. I don't want to hyper-monetize everything. I want to make sure people are taken care of first and foremost. But let's swing back to the writer's side now. Because absorbing that advice, whatever it might be, and doing something about it has the potential to change how we do what we do. The other risk there is that it demotivates you. It, it takes the fun out of it. It makes it into a job. And most people don't really react well when all of a sudden a thing that was fun and free and easy, remember that, that starting place of we didn't know anything, we were just doing it. When all of a sudden structure comes in and it changes those things on a fundamental level, people get discouraged because they lack support, because they lack encouragement, because they haven't they, they don't self-validate enough. They don't sit there and praise themselves for even the smallest steps. They become overly critical about, you know, the big steps. Now, the big steps have to be the only thing that's good because small steps, you know, everybody, I'm making air quotes, everybody does, so they must not matter. When that's absolute bullshit, you can praise yourself at any time for any amount of progress, whether it's one word, ten words, a sentence, a page, whatever. All progress is worth celebrating, not judging, just celebrating. So then we get to a situation where hopefully if you're deciding to continue gathering advice and applying it and working on your stuff and producing it to the best of your ability, we reach this next risk of do I want to share it with others? Whether we're talking about publication or whether we're talking about, hey, buddy, just give this a read, there's still that risk of now somebody else is going to interface with the thing I've made. And all of a sudden, there's this risk of rejection and this risk of judgment and this risk of success or complaint or the risk of, let's just broaden it out to say, the risk of response. When all of it, we, it used to be that, you know, when your book was done and you were a published author, your, your consumers, your fans, your readers, way, way down the road, they were going to like your work. And now all of a sudden it's made much more tangible, much more immediate, trying to get just somebody to read it to see if it's okay, to see if they like it, whether that's beta reading or just your friend hanging out and checking it out or whether it's, you know, putting it to a writing group or anything like that. All of a sudden that distant, distant thing is very much in front of you. And there's a real risk to doing that. There's a, there's a real potential for it to not be as perfect as that idealized fantasy of everybody giving you like a million stars and a billion sales and then you having a long-lived 75-plus book career. There's a risk there. Likewise, depending on the, the way in which we decide to publish, there's a risk there too because now you're no longer just opening yourself up for what we might call casual rejection or casual response of just random people not liking it or everybody just saying, oh, it's fine, but not giving you enough detail to really know if it is or not. But now we're dealing with professional rejection. Now we're dealing with, at a, at a traditional publishing level, the, the broad, bland, dull brushstrokes of someone who is looking for a product more than a good story, though they will sell you the lie of wanting a good story in order to make sure that you keep producing products that they can keep selling because traditional publishing is not your friend and isn't going to be your friend. But there's a risk there in opening yourself up to that, opening yourself up to those gatekeepers, opening yourself up to those pimps and exploiters and all the little machinations and systems of all the different big presses, little presses, vanity presses, grifters, uh, all that sort of stuff that packages up or polishes this idea of legitimacy in order to promise you something that they couldn't possibly begin to deliver on to the degree they're saying they can deliver on it. 
there's a risk in engaging with that stuff. Likewise, though, if we decide we're going to self-publish, we, we encounter all new different risks because now we need to take on the roles that publishing would have done for us. We need to be our own distributor. We need to be our own, you know, organizer and scheduler and project manager so that we can get that book cover, so that we can get it edited, so that we can get this done, so that we can do this and do that. That's that's a, a huge risk to take, not just a financial risk, but I, I haven't really moved towards financial risks too much, but I'm talking more about like an existential risk, a mood risk, a soul risk, a feeling risk, a, a risk to how we perceive and understand the status quo of our lives. So to me, that's a much more uh, intense type of risk and a much more critical type of risk because if this fails at this level, like if you get a million rejections, not a million, let's say you get 20 rejections from traditional publishers and you're disinterested or overwhelmed by the idea of self-publishing because you're seeing the price tag or the expense of all these steps and you're letting that overshadow your end goal of really, really wanting a thing, you can absolutely feel lost and discouraged here. And that's, that's sort of people talk about it in these terms of like, my dream has died or I can no longer have the fantasy or the success I hoped for. And, and that can be really affecting that that requires on some level grief or trauma or healing or, or some kind of management to that degree, because it is a big fucking deal. And then of course there's the, the later stage risks of, okay, no matter how we published it, now we're going to send it out into the world. And we run the risk of getting no sales, few sales, not enough sales, no reviews, poor reviews, weak reviews, vague reviews, algorithmic silence, algorithmic congestion. Uh, we run afoul of, of you know, scolds and complainers on social media. We open ourselves up to all these different kinds of avenues and facets with expectations and promises and and everything, and there's a risk there to sort of being out in the world. And then there's the further risk of, okay, I've gone through all that for one book. Do I want to go through it all again for a second book? With that incorrect base assumption that of just how bad it was the first time or just how long it took the first time, it's going to be like that again the second time, the third time, the tenth time. When you have no evidence to, to do that, please don't assume that how one went all the others will go. You're forgetting about the fact that you learned a lot in that first iteration and we can do better the second, third, fifth, and future iterations. My point is, in all this, when we look at all of these risks, you have to be willing to accept some of them because some of them are rooted in your decisions, your wants, and your goals. You're going to have to accept that that risk exists if you want to do the thing you say you want to do, especially if you want to do it to the degree or intensity or urgency you say you want to do it. But there are risks that are out of your control. Once you submit a thing to have a, an agent or a publisher or somebody take a look at it, you run the risk of rejection. When you hand your work to an editor, you run the risk of them saying like, holy shit, this thing is a real mess. Here now begins the 5,000, 10,000, 237, whatever number of things that you need to seriously consider, think about, fix, revise, delete, etc. And all of those things can feel discouraging. Even if they're presented in the most encouraging, oh, come on, buddy, give it another try way, it's not uncommon to be really sort of toppled by those risks. You just have to make the choice to 
face that risk, to accept it, to understand that part of creativity is a risk. Part of creativity is opening yourself up in a brave, vulnerable way to any number of any kinds of possible receptions. And that's scary. But the more open you can be, not to expose your delicate, squishy underbelly, but the more open you can be to allow your views and your ideas be you know, open to everybody else and you can just interpret or um, you can both interpret how life is currently, but also demonstrate to others how you've interpreted life up to that point. So the past and present come through you prismatically. Uh, that openness and that availability and that understanding and that that demonstration of experience and view through the medium of your work is risky. But the better we can do that, the better we will overall do. It might not be the smoothest process. You might have to fall flat on your face a few times. You might have to be humbled. You might have to make some mistakes. You might have to admit that, hey, this isn't really working. I need to change something fundamental. But not accept it in terms of this is so bad I need to quit. You never have to get there. There can be a million problems. There can be 10,000 risks. There can be a lot to deal with and grapple with. But at no point should your first thought at the first sign of trouble be, I should quit because reason. That's the mistake I think too many people make. They see the risk up ahead. They know the risk intellectually. They haven't really experienced it emotionally or they experienced it a little and they got a little gun shy and they pulled back and withdrew too far, too much for too long. So let me wrap this up by saying this. There is risk in creativity. It's supposed to be there. We counter that risk with information and courage. There are resources and people and opportunities to provide that information, but that courage has to come from you. It's, it's self-directed. It's self-generating. It's self-produced. You make it. It's your courage. Because not, not because you are you know, driven because of a specific goal. I want to make $1,000 selling books. That's a nice goal, but that should not be the source of your courage. The source of your courage should be a growing confidence and belief in yourself that you can make a thing. And even if it isn't exactly perfect every five seconds, you can grow and learn and get better at it and then keep doing it because you love to produce art. Give that some thought and I will talk to you next week.